You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all at? This is Trafalgar Square. Mr. and Mr. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Have you been drinking? It was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest that you suppress it? Hey! 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 Hey, how you doing? Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Savior! It is Football Friday at the SportsJourney.com radio network is on the air, Bob May. Matthew's here with you. Going to get an Ave Friday. We always bring the heat on Friday, on Football Fridays. And Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington will be joining us in just a few minutes as the Washington football team gets ready to head to Pittsburgh to take on the undefeated Steelers in a 5 o'clock kickoff on Monday afternoon. So we'll have to get through Sunday without the burgundy and gold and the payoff, of course, is that Monday game at 5, which curiously is only going to about 70 TV markets across the country unless you have Sunday ticket. Now, for those of us either in the DMV or the 757, we, of course, don't have to worry because we are getting the game. Nevertheless, we're going to talk about that and more with Pete in just a few minutes. First, though, before that, Let's get you up to date on some other stuff going on. We got a little bit of breaking news from the NHL. Now, if you've been keeping up with the reading, Samantha Pell of the Washington Post joined us last week, and we were talking uh, about when when the league is going to restart, when the 2020 season is officially going to face off, and how you're going to know if that is on its way to happening. She said one of the people to play it, uh, to pay attention to uh, is Pierre Lebrun, who covers the NHL as well as just about anybody. And it looks like we got some breaking news this morning. Uh, he just posted a uh, story on TheAthletic.com a little bit earlier today. Uh, he gives credit to his TSN colleague Frank Saravalli first reporting this, uh, but meetings last night between the NHL and the Players Association have confirmed the following. January 1st, no longer realistic. Looks like it's a 52 or 53 game season that's going to be that was discussed as options. Training camps for all 31 teams going to start on or about January 2nd. That could still be moved a little. There's going to be a seven-day voluntary pre-camp for the seven teams that were not in the postseason. Uh, but uh, other than that, everybody else starts about January 2nd. COVID numbers, of course, are a concern. There's going to be the door open for further delays. And uh, sources suggest they say the NHL is adamant Wrapping up the Stanley Cup final by early July ahead of the Summer Olympics. Part of that because NBC has the Olympics and they need the boards cleared so they can broadcast from Tokyo. However, he uh, Pierre closes his story by saying that uh, all things being equal, it, however, it does appear there's a shortened season on the way as long as those economic issues get resolved and the pandemic allows the NHL to safely drop the puck. And that is good news for us because 
So we all know, I mean, the Caps window is not going to be open indefinitely for, uh, you know, for this group of players, this nucleus uh, that we got now. I mean, Ovi's 35 and Backstrom's right behind him. So, you know, a season lost at this point is a lot more consequential to those guys than, than it is uh, a younger player. But good news there in that it looks like we are looking at a mid-January start for the NHL in general and the Caps in specific. Now, one thing you will probably not be seeing, a bunch of teams have talked about maybe doing um, their own stadium series and doing a few more games outside, you know, kind of throwing it back old school to the infancy of the league. Uh, Washington, not one of those teams. Caps say they will not be doing, uh, will not be playing any of their games uh, outside. That's just not going to happen. And it's, it's, you know, obviously got to do with your COVID restrictions and all of that good stuff. All right. Uh, it is time to talk a little ball. The Burgundy and Gold headed up to Pittsburgh. They will leave Sunday for the Monday afternoon game. Uh, they opened as a 10.5-point underdog. I think that's gone down to about 8 points or so uh, since, especially on the heels of uh, the Steelers, somewhat uninspiring performance against Baltimore earlier this week. Still don't think it's going to be too much of a problem, unfortunately, for the Steelers. But it is going to be a good measuring stick for Washington. Let's just see how good this team actually is, how much progress this team's made. I mean, if this game was played last year, it'd be a blowout, something along the lines of 31-10. to 10. So let's see how much closer uh, Washington can make it this year as opposed to last season. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this with NBC Sports Washington's Pete Haley. Maestro, do me a favor, cue that dramatic music, will you? Football Fridays, we always like to try and bring the heat, and there is nobody hotter right now thanks to his dead-solid, balls-on impression of CNN's John King than Pete Haley, Redskin Insider with NBC Sports Washington. Man, mad props on that. I just, I couldn't get over it. I, I thought I was watching Election Central again. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the idea came to me on a Saturday. I executed it on a Sunday, watched one YouTube video of him for about three minutes, uh, it was a one-take special, put some music underneath it and put it out there to the world, and everybody seemed to enjoy it. So we're actually uh, going to revive it for our pregame show on NBC Sports Washington on Monday. So listeners here, make sure you watch that. And I don't think we want to run into the ground too much, but if we bring it onto TV and try and produce it a little bit more, I think we can we can have some more fun with it. I mean, I think, you know, if, if it keeps progressing, I think this is something you can carry through at least the end of the season. I really <laughs> yeah. do. I'm into it. Let, let's talk about the uh, the stretch run now. I think before the season, I think just about everybody would have been happy, including Ron Rivera, that this team would be playing meaningful games of some sort in December. And I don't think this is how anybody thought it might turn out that way, but it's December and we got meaningful games, right? Yeah, it really is refreshing. It's nice. You're used to flipping to this part of the calendar and looking ahead to draft prospects and <laughs> mm-hmm. who's going to get fired and what staff are they going to bring in. And um, what people have to remember is that I think one of the main expectations before the year was let's let them just double their wins. Let's let them go from three wins to six wins. 
And there's a chance they do that. And oh, by the way, they might sneak into the playoffs too. So if they can come out in December and beat the Panthers and the Eagles and maybe even get the 49ers too and finish with six or seven wins, I mean, that's incredible. And then maybe throw a postseason berth on top of it. That would be a really, really nice thing, especially in a year that's been so hectic and a cancer fight for Ron and a name change and pandemic and all this stuff. If he can get them to a place where they are doubling the wins and also maybe even a part of the dance, then he deserves a ton of credit. What do you think is more important overall for this organization getting, you know, if, if it's only going to be six, possibly seven wins getting into the playoffs, you know, regardless of what happens there or is four or five wins and a higher draft pick more important for the future? You know, it's easy to talk about the draft and I think if they had one or two wins then yeah they would be better off tanking to try and get one of the premier top picks but I think at this point that ship has already sailed they're going to be picking fourth or fifth maybe at best and at worst maybe it's 18th or so but and I know that is a big split and I don't want to try and dismiss it like it's not but I still think you can find a quarterback in the first round if you want to go that way. You're probably not going to get the top two, so you're picking in that next tier. I think you might as well try and win and figure out what a playoff berth can do for the culture, let all these young players experience that, because Ron snuck into the playoffs with the Panthers when they were 7-9, and and then I think two years later they're in the Super Bowl. So there's no telling what impact this kind of late-season run can have. Um, And again, you know, I I know there are a lot of analytics – people and a lot of smart people who want to talk about draft, 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 get the best pick. But it feels like every year that's the discussion. And sometimes it just doesn't help. You got to find a good player wherever you're picking. So try and make the playoffs and then figure out the April stuff when April comes around. Where do you think, because, you know, you, JP, Mitch, you guys are out there every game, every practice. What have we seen here this last stretch of five games? They're three and two. Has the team actually gotten better or is it just that the schedule got so much worse from the beginning of the year? I would say certain parts of this team has definitely gotten better. And I think you look at Alex's insertions in the lineup and that's the clearest one that good opponent or bad opponent. I think that would be making a difference regardless because he's able to get those young receivers involved. He knows his offense better than Dwayne did. And he might even know it better than Kyle did just because he's so experienced. So I think Alex and what he's doing is applicable to no matter who you're playing. And then um, parts of the D line. I mean, they're starting to rack up some sacks and I get it. It's against uh, or what the hell is that guy's name? Ryan Finley. I can't even remember. <laughs> JP Finley, Ryan Finley, whatever his name is. Either and one, then, either one works. I yeah, thought it was Carter one. Finley, but hey, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, him and Andy Dalton, like those aren't premier quarterbacks. So there is some hesitancy to accept right. these sack numbers, but I think these guys have talked about how difficult the transition was from last year's defense to this year's and maybe it's starting to click. So there, those are aspects I believe in regardless, but like scoring 40 points against Dallas. I don't think that means there's some grand offensive awakening. Um, This past defense being ranked still so high annoys me because I don't think they're as good as that number suggests. So this next stretch here against these three opponents, we all know so well is going to be a bit of a reckoning, but the good thing is they could probably go one and two and then still make the playoffs. So Washington is not all of a sudden a good team, but the positive thing is they don't necessarily need to be that way to continue past week 17. Yeah, they're certainly better than 3-13 and 13 last year. Um, when we look at Pittsburgh this week, obviously it's a measuring stick. There is absolutely no chance of a win, I don't think, barring something really, really strange happening. So what do you think is progress for this team? Just if they you know, don't get blown out, if, if they're within a score going into the fourth quarter or what? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a simple way to boil it down, but 
if we leave the game on Monday thinking, all right, those last couple wins and this little uptick we've seen wasn't a complete sham, I think that's a, a good result. And of course, you want to steal the win and end their undefeated streak and maybe even get ahead of the NFC East on a weekend where it looks like all four teams could lose. But you know, that's not realistic. They should be thinking that way. But as we sit here on Zoom, we can think uh, more broadly and, you know, not be so uh, invested in the straight up results. So um, if Alex Smith can continue to grow a little bit and Antonio Gibson puts together another 80 yard game and McLaurin keeps it up and the secondary holds up relatively well against a really experienced quarterback who might throw it 45 times, as long as this isn't a total mess and you can kind of look at it and say all right they lost but they still are taking steps forward and we still feel confident in them finishing these last four games and that would be successful to me you mentioned alex smith a few seconds ago you mentioned dwayne haskins and i think i'm trying to talk myself into something but you guys and the conventional wisdom from everybody me included is that dwayne haskins is somewhere else next year but given you know we saw him that that scene on the sideline at dallas where he's picking up Alex Smith, he tweets about it afterwards. Ron had some nice words to say about him. Is there any sense that there's a chance that they take another look at Dwayne either in the offseason or, you know, the first of next year and say, why not spend what draft capital we have in the first round next year on on a different position rather than a quarterback? It's definitely tempting to want to spend elsewhere, but when it comes to Dwayne, I do think he's probably taking this well and he's learning and he's maturing through the adversity that he's facing. That's something Terry McLaurin's told us and other guys too. And Ron is saying some promising things about him. So good for Dwayne for handling this well after the initial disappointment. But still, if you have Alex next year, which I think they will, and you draft a quarterback at some point, whether it's first round, second round, third round, I just don't get how Dwayne fits into that puzzle because then you'll have two young guys and you need to develop one and there's only so many reps that go around. So I think these things you're hearing and these uh, promising signs, it might just be to help drive up trade value or just, you know, not damage Dwayne so much. I mean, he's still so young and I think Ron probably does like him, but maybe just was annoyed by some of his immaturities or habits. Um, so I think they just want to keep him in a good spot. And then when the season ends, they can figure out where to send him. Cause I just don't know if he really wants to be here much longer. And I don't see any way in which he makes a lot of sense unless something happens to Alex or, or they really, finish a crazy year and Dwayne comes in and wins two games but uh, I don't really see a scenario where Dwayne is with Washington in 2021 when you look back on it I mean he was in a no-win situation from the minute he was drafted yeah yeah it's, it's really hard on him and I feel bad because I think he's a good kid I hate calling him a kid by the way because I'm really <laughs> older than him so I'm gonna take that you think you hate calling him a kid I could yeah. be his father that's how yeah. young he is. I think he's a good person and I think he means <laughs> well and I think he has a ton of talent and I think this offseason there was a lot of hope that he could put all these uh, things together and prove it. And I bought into it and it didn't unfold that way, but in no mean, in no way am I giving up on him. And I think in, a, in the right system where he has a staff that really believes in him and can really take his time and develop him, then I think it could lead to some good things. So maybe he's not going to be a premier passer of the Mahomes or uh, Aaron Rodgers ilk, but I do think there's a place for Dwayne in the NFL, whether it's a promising solid backup or or a good starter because he's got the tools he just needs someone to be more willing to mold them so what you guys got coming up uh, on the next uh, edition of the pod 
Uh, we talked to Ike Taylor, former Steeler of a decade plus, and I asked him how to limit Ben Roethlisberger. A few guys will know that better than Ike, who shared a locker room with Ben for 10 years. So that's a good part. And then uh, JP talked to Cam Curl, who is a safety that a lot of people are gaining a lot of appreciation for. So that will be up shortly. Check it out. Washington Football Talk podcast. And it is available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Pete Haley, NBC Sports Washington. Thank you so much, my friend. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, too. All right, we got to get on out of here. Mick and the clock on the wall say it is time to bolt. Have you a great weekend. We will talk to you either Monday before or right after Washington's game in Pittsburgh. We will see what's going on. What did we learn? What did we not learn? What did we overreact to? It ought to be exciting. Again, have you a great weekend. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, you wear white. Just hang.